Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is the 85th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Coming up in just a minute, how has the liberal media in Arkansas reacted to my decision to run for the Republican nomination for governor? But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also... We're having a lot of people saying, look, we want to contribute to your campaign for governor. How do we do that? Okay, we are working today to get electdocwashburn.com up and running. And we hope to have that all squared away by the end of the day today. You know, you got to do stuff with the Secretary of State's office. You got to do stuff. You got to get an EIN from the IRS and the open up a bank account and you know put the right app on your website so we have some people working on that today uh, but most people who listen don't listen to live stream most people listen to the podcast after the fact so if you're listening to the podcast after the fact check electdocwashburn.com and see if it is live yet we hope to have it live by close of business uh, today. Thursday, February 10th, 2022, because we have people reaching out to friends of ours saying, how do I contribute to Doc's gubernatorial campaign? And and I just, I just tell you, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled and I'm honored and I'm grateful. Um, because running for governor was not my idea. I had never never considered running for any kind of office before just a few days ago. More on that in a little bit. All right, one of the things I have learned in my encounters with professional journalists is that they frequently are coming from a very different worldview from the one that I have. It's often very difficult for professional journalists to try to understand people like me. A case in point would be a guy named Max Brantley. Now, Max is a senior editor for something called the Arkansas Times. He wrote a short article about me yesterday entitled, And Speaking of COVID Resistors, Might One Doc Washburn Run for Governor as Republican? Now, that's kind of a funny headline because I don't know anyone who actually wanted to get the woo flu. And, of course, I resisted it as long as I could 
But, you know, finally got it a few weeks ago, and it was not any fun. So what is a COVID resistor, Max? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have any idea. So Max leads his article with my tweet from Wednesday morning, which said I announced Tuesday evening that I'm running for governor of Arkansas. Thank you to the Saline County Republican Women's Club for letting me speak. I'll explain how and why I'm running on my podcast Wednesday. Listen live at noon Eastern. And then Max says, here's another tweet on which I can provide no further information except that Doc Washburn is a former radio talk show host fired for refusing to follow station owner COVID requirements who now podcasts. Now notice the use of the euphemism fired for refusing to follow station owner COVID requirements. What does that mean? You got to wear a mask to work. You got to wear a mask in the hallways, but you don't have to in the studio. What does that mean? Fired for not refusing to follow station owner COVID requirements. Liberals frequently try to sugarcoat the truth when the tr- when they know the truth is going to make them look bad. There's no way in the world that Max Brantley at the Arkansas Times will just come out and say, I was fired for refusing to subject myself to a dangerous, unproven experimental gene therapy vaccine. That's not going to happen. No, no. You see, Doc was fired for refusing to follow station owner COVID requirements. Yeah, that's a ticket. Then he says, might Sarah Huckabee Sanders face a Republican opponent? One more extreme than herself? Now, in case I didn't mention how much of a leftist Max Brantley is, he actually believes that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is some sort of extremist. Wow. But that's the world he lives in. Then after my show yesterday, Max did an update. By the way, thanks for listening, Max, yesterday. I appreciate that. So here's what he said after I, right after I finished the show yesterday. Quote, you can catch his announcement in the final 10 minutes of his two-hour show, unquote. No, no, Max. I certainly took more time than the last 10 minutes to make the case. Then he says, quote, his big beef with Sarah Huckabee Sanders appears to be that she has the endorsement of government Hutchinson and that she has so far refused to take, uh, so far refused to talk about any issues, unquote. Well, no, Max, that's only part of the beef. Now, notice Max attempts to characterize me as sort of an odd duck. Certainly no one else could possibly be bothered that Sarah said that Governor Hutchinson, who vetoed a bill to protect children from sterilization and castration, did a great job. Nope. No, 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 no. It must just be this strange Washburn fellow. Then Max says, again, quoting here, he notes her support from Representative French Hill, who says that the election wasn't stolen, question mark. Okay, no, Max, Max, Max. You have it exactly backwards. I condemned Sarah Huckabee Sanders' endorsement of French Hill. 
who said the election wasn't stolen, who said President Trump's rhetoric leading up to January 6th was unforgivable, who said how proud he was to keep Liz Cheney in Republican leadership in the House of Representatives, even after she voted to impeach Trump because, according to French, she's still a fine conservative. No, 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 Max. It's not that French Hill supports her. It's that she stabs her former boss, Donald Trump, in the back by supporting French Hill. Max then thinks it's odd that I referred to Asa Hutchinson as the horrible governor. But, again, he doesn't want his gentle readers to know the evidence I presented to make the irrefutable case that Asa is a horrible governor. How many, for that matter, let me just ask this. How many of Max's small group of readers have any idea that Asa vetoed a bill that would have protected small children from being castrated or otherwise sterilized by adults with Munchausen syndrome by proxy? For that matter, how many of Max's small group of readers would actually approve this form of child abuse and degradation. Well, a guy like Max Brantley can't be too careful, you know. Then Max writes these words. If the Lord provides the $15,000 he needs for a filing fee, he will run, Washburn said. He said he's a third of the way there after three days. Well, that's true. Very good, Max. That's absolutely correct. We are now even closer, and we have a lot of people asking how they can give, and we're trying to get that all set up today. Again, at some point today, we're hoping to get the website electdocwashburn.com set up. Then Max concludes his article with a screenshot of a tweet I did inviting folks to come hear me, U.S. Congressional Candidate Conrad Reynolds, and State Senate candidate Matt McKee at the Saline County Republican Women's Club meeting this past Tuesday evening. Max says the Saline County Republican women got advance word Tuesday night and also got to hear from some other similarly inclined candidates. He said they gave him a great round of applause. You know what? They sure did. And I appreciate it. As a matter of fact, let me play just a little bit of it for you uh, because a friend of mine videotaped my address to the Saline County Republican Women's Club Tuesday evening. And we're going to, uh, I guess, play about the last four minutes of it. And I, I think I think they gave me a good round of applause. Let's see. It should go something like this. By all accounts, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to be our next governor. She's the only person who's announced in the Republican primary. And whoever the Republican nominee is, is going to be the next governor in this red state. Now, I think we're all proud of the job Sarah did trying to defend President Trump as White House press secretary. I mean, I did notice he finally ordered to stop doing daily press briefings for some reason. And as soon as he replaced her with Kaylee McEnany, the press briefings continued. But that's neither here nor there. President Trump really likes Sarah suggested she run for governor. I think a lot of us were intrigued by that possibility. People call my show and say, you know, I wasn't really too crazy about Governor Huckabee. He wasn't really conservative enough for me, but I'm pretty excited about Sarah because she's on the Trump team. So I just filed that away. 
But recently I noticed something. The other day, Sarah endorsed Senator John Bozeman for re-election on her Facebook page. She got hundreds of furious Facebook responses. People saying, no, we don't want a rhino who votes every year to fund Planned Parenthood. We want a true American patriot. We want, John, we want Jan Morgan. And she endorsed her buddy, French Hill. Who, as I mentioned earlier, never misses an opportunity to stab Trump and, and, and us in the back. Once again, hundreds of outraged Facebook messages. Sarah, no. What are you doing? We want to get rid of this rhino, French Hill. We want Conrad Reynolds. And when she accepted Asa Hutchinson's endorsement, she talked about what a great job he has done. Now, I'm very concerned. I don't think you can be in touch with this state and what's going on in the state and believe that Asa Hutchinson has done a good job. Our taxes are too high. Our foster care system is rife with abuse. As a matter of fact, we've got a $1.2 billion, with a B, dollar tax surplus because we're overtaxed. That continues to keep us at a disadvantage with our neighboring states. I mean, I don't know where Sarah is in all this. Does it, does she plan to, what does she plan to do about the the challenges we face as a state? Does it bother her how much farmland Bill Gates has bought here? To Aza's deep ties to the Chinese communist government concern her. For that matter, since she endorsed French Hill, does that mean she agrees with him? The election wasn't stolen? I don't know. She won't say. Vaccine mandates? Where's she on that? Mass mandates? I mean, she came back in 2019, right? Have you heard a word from her about any of this? She avoids the question. She avoids the question. Critical race theory? I don't know. I don't know. But I know who she listens to. She listens to French Hill. She listens to John Bozeman. She listens to Aisha Aza Hutchinson and she listens to her dad. And I'm seeing all these Facebook comments of people, hundreds of them saying, we don't want eight more years of this. Anyway, I say all that to say this. From what I understand, it costs $15,000 to run for the Republican nomination for governor in Arkansas. So my wife and I are praying about it. And if the Lord provides the money, then I'll file to run for governor. I appreciate that. I appreciate that because uh, up until two days ago, I never, ever considered running for a political office in my life. Never. And uh, a lot of people have been talking to me the last couple of days. I appreciate your response. I want to conclude with a verse from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? I sincerely hope not. Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry, man. God bless you. Okay. So that's what happened. Not only did Doc say he got... uh, a good response. Doc got a good response. So I wanted to share that with you, but 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 there is more. I got a text yesterday from a newspaper reporter 
And he said, when you decide you are definitely going to run for governor, please let us know you hedged a run on your show based on raising the filing fee. And he concluded respectfully with his name. So his opinion was, he's not sure if I'm actually running for governor. But when I decide I definitely am, please let us know. His opinion was, now you hedged a run on your show based on raising the filing fee. Okay, so I want to respectfully explain why I said what I said and why I don't think it was hedging. And again, I'm coming from a Christian worldview. Okay? So let me share with you. From the book of James, chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Okay? So, well, that matter, there's, there's also the passage that says, what do you have that hasn't been given to you? You know? So that's what, that's the reason that I said Tuesday night at the Saline County Republican Women's Club meeting that if the Lord provides the $15,000 for the filing fee, then I'm going to file. I'm running for governor. Make that real clear. I'm running for governor. Here it is, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Let me, let me, uh, let me complete the trifecta here. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man who made me a judge or arbitrator over you. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns 
and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool! This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then Jesus said, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, I don't know if journalists coming from a different worldview can understand what I'm saying and what I'm doing and why I'm saying it, why I'm doing it. But I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to be obedient. And that's why I said, if the Lord provides the $15,000 filing fee, then I will file. In the meantime, I am definitely running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. And we're definitely more than a third of the way there to having the filing fee. And we have people coming out of the woodwork saying, how can we contribute? We want to support you. And again, I'm honored and I'm humbled. And we hope by close of business today to have electdocwashburn.com up and running so you can do exactly that. So, I hope that clarifies some things. <laughs> I hope that clarifies some things. I just had a, a, a comment here on the Podbean app. Somebody said it wasn't hedging. And so 
it's um, the, the last few days have certainly been surreal. There's no question about that. The last few days have certainly been surreal. Now, I want to say thank you to a friend of mine, a friend of mine named Rich Valdez. Before I started my live stream today, a little bit earlier today, Rich Valdez was kind enough to have me on as a guest on his podcast. Now, Rich Valdez is Mr. Call Screener for Mark Levin. You frequently, if you listen to Mark Levin talk radio show, and Mark is a great guy. If you listen to Mark Levin radio talk show, you often hear him say, Mr. Producer? Okay, Mr. Producer is Rich Cementa, but Mr. Call Screener is Rich Valdez. And sometimes, sometimes when Mark is off, Rich Valdez will actually fill in for him. Now, apparently, Mr. Producer Rich Cementa doesn't like his voice on the air, which to me is crazy because Rich Cementa sounds great and he's a real sharp guy. But Rich Valdez doesn't mind going on the air. So Rich Valdez, from time to time, will fill in for Mark Levin, usually on Friday evenings. That's usually when he fills in for him. But in the meantime, Rich Valdez has a podcast called This Is America. And um, when when, when I sent him a private message, a little DM on Twitter, and said, hey, I'm actually running for uh, Republican nomination for governor, for Arkansas, he said, do you want to come on my show Thursday? And I said, sure, what time? And so we set that up, and and we did a a 12-minute hit on uh, on Rich Valdez's show. So I really appreciate that opportunity um, to basically get out there with a uh, Rich's national audience. I, I don't know how many people listen to Rich Valdez's podcast but I'll tell you this, a lot of people know who he is. You know, um, one of the things that was a real blessing for us when we started the Doc Washburn live stream slash podcast is that we immediately had listeners from the rest of the country. It wasn't just an Arkansas thing. We have averaged anywhere from 65 to 70% of our listeners coming from the other 49 states. And I attribute that uh, to a great degree to the fact that Mark Levin allowed me to fill in for him 11 times. But I guarantee you one thing. Rich Valdez has filled in for Mark a lot more than 11 times, and uh, people know who he is, and I'm just uh, really uh, honored, humbled, blessed to be on Rich Valdez's podcast, which will drop probably sometime this afternoon. It's called This Is America with Rich Valdez. So thank you, Brother Rich. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. We're also honored and humbled that we have advertisers that support us. 
because we couldn't do what we do without advertisers. Wow. Wow. I just I, I just noticed another comment on the on the Podbean app. Just wait a few more days, you will have your funding and you won't have to talk about it again. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean the fifteen thousand for the uh, for the filing fee, and then of course you keep raising money after you you file for to be, to, you know be able to get the word out and, and that kind of stuff. So, no, that's fantastic. I I, I appreciate your your confidence, and I I can't wait for us to get electdocwashburn.com up so all these people saying, how do I give, how do I contribute, can do that. All right, um, let me say a word for our wonderful sponsors who provide the ability for us to be able to do what we do every day. Now, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you find out pretty quickly there's such a chip shortage that you might have a hard time finding what you're looking for in your neck of the woods. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. You click that button, and that guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences. All the math happens automatically, so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want if you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental United States of America, redriveryourway.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, let me mention something also. My good buddy Art Wilborn's website, myfamilyhealthplan.com. Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? You answered yes to any of those questions. You need to go to myfamilyhealthplan.com. First thing you see, the big bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No co-pays. 
Well, once you see all that, the next part's easy. It's a re- big red button that says schedule call now. You click on that button. You book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he makes sure your personalized health coverage doesn't force you to cover things like abortion that would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. So it's not going to be like some of those Obamacare plans where you have to cover stuff that, that, oh, no, this is awful. You don't have to do that. Again, the website, myfamilyhealthplan.com. Affordable plans save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. You click the schedule call now button. You book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. And thank you, Art. We appreciate you uh, supporting us. Really do. All right, now, I want to go back to talking about the run for governor. And I, I got an idea. I've told you about the hundreds of furious responses that uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders got on Facebook. Responses she has ignored when she uh, endorsed U.S. Senator John Bozeman, who keeps on voting every year for budgets that fund Planned Parenthood. The hundreds of furious responses she got for endorsing U.S. Representative French Hill for re-election, who continues to stab Trump and us in the back. So I noticed something. I noticed something. On these responses to these Facebook posts, Jan Morgan, who is challenging John Bozeman for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate, and Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who is challenging French Hill for the Republican nomination for U.S. House, started responding to these people. If somebody would say, Sarah, no, please don't, please don't back John Bozeman. We want a true patriot like Jan Morgan. Jan Morgan would jump in and say, hey, thank you. And, you know, here's my website or here's this, here's that or the other. If people would say, Sarah, please, please reconsider your decision to endorse French Hill. He's a rhino. We can't stand him. We want somebody else. Colonel Conrad Reynolds would jump in and say, hey, I'm your guy. And a lot of them already knew Jan Morgan was running against John Bozeman. A lot of them already knew that Conrad Reynolds was challenging French Hill in the Republican primary for the 2nd District of Arkansas. But I noticed Jan Morgan and, and Conrad Reynolds were all over these Facebook posts. So somebody said, well, Doc, you ought to do the same thing. You ought to jump in there and let these people, because a lot of these people were saying, Sarah, we can no longer support you. You're endorsing French Hill, really? We can no longer support you. So people were saying, Doc, you, you need to jump in there and let people know, let people 
who are furious with Sarah Huckabee Sanders for endorsing these horrible people. No, I know, I know, I know. John Bozeman's a nice guy. Everybody always says he's a nice guy. But he votes to fund Planned Parenthood every year. That's not a nice guy thing. I'm sorry. Anyway, people told me you need to jump in there yourself, Doc, and let these people who are telling Sarah this is a deal breaker, let them know that there is an alternative, that somebody else is running for the Republican nomination for governor. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. So Tuesday night, I stayed up very late, almost 3 o'clock in the morning, responding to each and every angry response to Sarah Huckabee Sanders for endorsing French Hill and telling all these people, hey, guess what? Good news. Now you have a choice for governor in the Republican nomination because I'm running. And I I put a link to docwashburnshow.com so people could hear yesterday me explaining the whole thing. So I went on, uh, I went back on Sarah's Facebook page yesterday afternoon and I checked and they had deleted almost every one of my comments. Now, this is fascinating to me. She's got $13 million in the bank. She's the heir apparent. Everybody just assumes, well, of course she's going to be the governor. You know? But there must be, I guess, some concern in her campaign now that I've announced Otherwise, why would they have taken the time? Because I had hundreds of comments in there. I didn't have time. I would have had to stay up all night to go to the um, to go to her her post about supporting John Bozeman. But I did respond to everybody who was upset with her. We're endorsing U.S. Representative French Hill for re-election. So I had to I had to have written hundreds of comments saying, hey, I agree with you, and you don't have to vote for her for the Republican nomination for governor. I'm running. So somebody had to take the time yesterday to delete all those. So we've got our attention. Or we got the attention of whoever's running her campaign. And that's fine. That's fine. I have nothing against Sarah personally. But I agree. And look, the comments on that Facebook post, the people upset with her about uh, endorsing French Hill, who is as anti-Trump as you're going to get in the Republican Party, the comments were 99% negative. I'm not exaggerating. Something like 99.5% negative. Hardly anybody was agreeing with her. 
and the handful of people that did, out of the hundreds of comments, most of them were from out of state. So what does that tell you? Okay, I got another comment here on the Podbean app. It says, um, I was on the fence about Sarah, but after her support for the Arkansas Rhinos in D.C., I know without a doubt who I support for governor of Arkansas. Go, Doc. Well, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, um, again, we hope to get electdocwashburn.com up uh, for people who want to support the campaign financially. We hope to do that by close of business today. Now, I got a, uh, and a lot of people in here saying you have my vote. I appreciate you. God bless you. I got a Facebook message from somebody the other night who's in charge of a group called uh, Reopen Arkansas. And I filled out the questionnaire. And um, late at night, late at night, and I got to think of the next day, man, that was some pretty good stuff I wrote on there. Um, can you send me a copy? Yeah, okay, sent you a copy. So I just want to share with you what they asked and what I answered. Because I think it is important. They said Sarah won't answer their questionnaire. She won't dignify their questions. So <clears throat> let's start with this. Do you or does anyone in your household have a financial or employment interest in any healthcare related business? Answer no. Should the state be advertising and otherwise promoting the vaccine using taxpayer dollars? Why or why not? I said, absolutely not. It was late, so I didn't notice the why part. Because it's none of their business. It's none of their business to try to coerce people into taking a dangerous gene therapy into their veins. It's none of their business. Way too many adverse effects. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. Should the new legislature re-elect or replace current leadership? I said replace current leaders. Absolutely. See, here's the problem. You got a lot of conservatives in the legislature trying to get some things done to benefit Arkansans. But every time, they want to do something that goes counter to Sam Walton's liberal heirs of the Walton Foundation, the folks that run Walmart, the Speaker of the House, and the head of the state Senate do the bidding of Governor Hutchinson and Walmart. There must be. And if I'm elected governor, I will insist that the Speaker of the House 
and the head of the state Senate be replaced. Because we need leaders in our state legislature that are more concerned about our Constitution, our U.S. Constitution, our Arkansas Constitution, and the will of the people than they are about the will of the Waltons and Walmart and some of the other big corporations in the state. Okay? The Speaker of the House and the head of the state Senate must be replaced. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. Did the Arkansas Department of Health and ABC have authority to issue the mask-related fines to small businesses last year? No. Should the legislature force ABC and ADH to return the mask-related fines collected last year? Yes. See, now here's another problem. State Senator Dan Sullivan had a bill that would have forced the state government to return the mask-related fines that they collected from small businesses, and there was just a handful of rhinos in the state legislature that stopped that from happening. Now, the um, the next three questions I had to look up because I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was talking about. So the first one, this is Reopen Arkansas. The first one said, what is your position on SB 730, the Garner Bill? So I looked it up and I read it. To amend the Division of Workforce Services Law to authorize unemployment benefits for an individual who is terminated solely due to a refusal to be vaccinated against coronavirus. Yes, COVID-19. Okay? Trent Garner, good guy. Okay, again, the leadership, the leadership in the House of Representatives, the Speaker of the House, killed it. Killed that bill. Well, that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible thing. So I'm definitely for what Senator Garner tried to get done there. Okay. So then the next question was, do you support, what do you think about SB 731, Bob Ballinger's bill? So I looked that one up. To establish a right of privacy, Concerning COVID-19 vaccination status, to establish a grant program from COVID-19 relief funds or American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 funds. In other words, it's nobody's business whether you've been vaccinated. Okay? So, of course, of course, I agreed with that one. And again... I found out the leaders of the Arkansas State House and the Arkansas State Senate killed Ballinger's bill. And that's bad. Which goes back to, again, if I'm elected governor, I will insist 
that the heads of both houses of the Arkansas State Legislature be replaced. Okay, next question from Reopen Arkansas. Because this, you know, I know we have a national podcast, a national live stream. I get it. But I'm running for governor of Arkansas. So I got to take some time on this. The next question is, what is your position on SB 732, the Blake Johnson bill? So I looked that up. To prohibit coercion of persons to receive the vaccine, the vaccine or immunization from COVID-19. Well, of course I agreed with that. So what happened on that one? Again, it died in the House committee. It doesn't take much to stop good bills in the Arkansas State Legislature. And that's something that would be one of my priorities if, by the grace of God, I'm elected the governor of the state of Arkansas. We've got to root out the people that stop good legislation that's trying to protect you from being passed. All right, so then, next question. What is your position on SB 739, the Hammer Bill? And I'm thinking, well, I I like Kim Hammer. Kim Hammer's a good guy. So I looked that one up. To provide employee exemptions from federal mandates and employer mandates related to COVID-19. Well, I can't just go by the title. You got to read the bill. So I read the bill. And it was a compromise saying that, you know, if employees would agree to get tested on a regular basis, then they wouldn't have to get the vaccination. And with all due respect to Senator Hammer, because he's a good guy and I like him, I had to come down against this one. No. No. You should not have to compromise your freedom. You should not have to get tested on a regular basis to avoid having to get a needle stuck in your arm with God knows what in it. So I had to go against that one. All right, next, going through this this questionnaire from Reopen Arkansas, a group that I have come to love really quickly. Do you believe the state has to respect and otherwise enforce unconstitutional federal mandates? At what point does state sovereignty apply? And I answered, Absolutely not. I fully supported Arkansas State Senator Gary Stubblefield's Arkansas Sovereignty Act. By the way, I am against State Bill 739 because it's wrong for them to force you to take some kind of medical test. Okay? State Senator Gary Stubblefield's Arkansas Sovereignty Act basically would have put criminal penalties on any Arkansas law enforcement officer who assisted the federal government in unconstitutionally violating your Second Amendment rights. And, oh, boy, did Governor Hutchinson and the powers of be freak out about that. But if I'm elected governor of Arkansas, it is going to be a priority for me to get that bill back 
and to get it passed and to get it on my desk and get it signed. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. Are you or is anyone in your household a public school teacher or otherwise employed by a public school? No. Do you believe that critical race theory or some form of it is currently being taught in Arkansas schools? Yes. Well, it's obvious. What is your position on critical race theory? It must be completely eviscerated. It is evil. It is child abuse. Yeah. It's evil and it's child abuse to lie about our history. It's evil and it's child abuse to tell little children that they are either oppressed or oppressors based on how much melanin they have in their skin. It's evil and the people perpetrating it know it's evil. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. What is your position on school choice? If you support it, what form do you support? In other words, complete choice, limited vouchers, choice limited to other public schools. I say complete choice. Complete choice. I hope we can break up the monopoly that the government has on education. Because we pay a lot of tax money to have our children indoctrinated in a worldview that is anathema to most of us. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. Should any abortions be legal in the state of Arkansas? Please explain. I said, absolutely not. We are created in the image of God at conception. Abortion must be abolished. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. Are you in favor of the concept of limited government, and do you commit to support the Republican Party platform as written? I said, yes, 100%. Do you support reducing or eliminating the state income tax? If so, what process would you support to accomplish it? E.g. gradual reduction, drastically cut state government, increase sales or property tax. And I said drastically cut state government for sure. I don't like the idea of raising any kind of tax. We have a $1.2 billion surplus, for goodness sake. Which, again, means that this administration of Republican in name only, Governor Asa Hutchinson, has been overtaxing us to death. $1.2 billion surplus in a state of only 3 million people? They're taxing us to death. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. Have you accepted or would you accept money from Tyson, Walmart, the State Chamber of Commerce, or the hospital lobby? Answer, no. Next question. What bill should the legislature pass immediately to do the most good for our Kansans? I said abortion must be completely abolished. No exceptions. That's it. That's the most important thing. We have to protect innocent babies. And somebody who has a problem with that doesn't have a problem with me. They have a problem with God. And they'll answer to him eventually. 
as we will all stand before our Creator and give an account for what we've done in this uh, on this earth. But see, we are created in the image of God. So when someone murders someone, they're attacking God. They're trying to destroy an image bearer of their creator. And God doesn't play. God doesn't play. He's serious. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. I've heard preachers for many, many years since I was young say eventually God is going to judge this nation because of our rampant wholesale slaughter of innocent babies. Now we hope and we pray. And frankly, I heard Senator Kim Hammer Tuesday night at the Saline County Republican Women's Club say that we are hopeful that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which, of course, would send the issue of abortion back to the states. And I think he might be right. Because as much of a disappointment as some of President Trump's nominees to the U.S. Supreme Court have been, one of the things I think they have been consistent on from past rulings, from past law review articles perhaps they've written, But Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Cody Barrett, and Neil Gorsuch were all in writing, I'm pretty sure, all in writing on the record as saying that Roe v. Wade was wrong. Well, you've already got Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. So, you know, you never know which way the wind blows. John Roberts is going to go. But don't be surprised, don't be surprised, we have a 5-4 to four overturning of Roe v. Wade by June, which would be the end of the U.S. Supreme Court um, term. And I think the legislature has a trigger bill that would outlaw abortion entirely in this state if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So we'll see what happens. But that's got to be the priority. It's got to be the priority. Next question from Reopen Arkansas. Why did you choose to run specifically for this office and not another one? I said, and this is, I was filling this out like after midnight a couple of nights ago. I said, I have spoken with a number of people in the last three days who have come to the realization Sarah Huckabee Sanders is not a conservative. Her endorsement of French Hill was the last straw. I have never considered running for office before, but my wife and I prayed about it. And if the Lord provides the filing fee, and I believe he will, I will be a candidate for the Republican gubernatorial nomination. Next question. On which legislative committee are you the most interested in serving and why? Well, that doesn't apply to the office of governor. Next question. What is your top priority once in office? I said, we must abolish abortion. 
Next question. And this is where I had some fun. Because it's kind of open-ended. The last question that Reopen Arkansas had was, is there anything else you would like to share? And I said, we must respect the U.S. and Arkansas constitutions. We must lower taxes across the board to finally become competitive with our neighboring states. We must completely overhaul our child welfare system. DCFS agents must wear body cams and must not enter homes without warrants. They must read parents their Miranda rights. Either DCFS or the State Police Crimes Against Children Division must be done away with. We are the only state that duplicates that effort. we got two different agencies doing exactly the same thing, and I don't know why. The only one of the 50 states that does that. I said I will require the resignation of the director of each state agency to be on my desk on Inauguration Day. Most of them are liberals anyway. If a case can be made that any of them will actually follow the Constitution, I will consider retaining him. But I doubt there will be many of them. I can come up with more, but I think this is a good start. So, I really appreciate the group Reopen Arkansas for basically um, jump-starting my brain the other night. Know what I'm saying? That's the thing. I plan to be meeting with as many groups as I can, getting in front of as many people as I can. And so maybe I'll bump into them at a town hall or something. Something like that. One one can only hope. Um, All right, let uh, let me just mention here briefly. My friend Stephen Finnegan, was in an automobile accident. I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. He was in an automobile accident on 4.30 a couple of days ago. Uh, Steve's a good buddy of mine. He filled in for me for a couple of years on my uh, local radio talk show in Little Rock, Arkansas. So he was rear-ended on 4.30, and uh, I was kind of banged up. And I finally talked him into going to see my friend, Dr. J.R. Crabtree at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. And I believe they're taking good care of him. Um, and I'm just, I'm just so, I'm always so excited when I get a friend of mine to go get his atlas adjusted. It's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column. The top bone of your spinal column is the atlas or the C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can can tend to get kinked up like a chain thereby 
obstructing or restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body the way God designed it to do. It can affect your respiratory system, your circulatory system, your reproductive system, and yes, even your digestive system. It can cause you to have neck pain, back pain, migraines, vertigo. So the Arkansas Observical Center and other practitioners like them in different parts of the country, you come in for a free consultation. They x-ray your head and your neck to see if your atlas is out of adjustment. And I got to tell you, the first time I had my atlas adjusted, I felt like I was coming up from out, out from under the ether. I'd been in several automobile accidents in the 22 years before that. And I had a low-grade neck pain and low-grade headache all the time. That came on so gradually, I hardly even realized it. It went away immediately. Immediately. So many friends of, of mine, my, my wife and I, and so many friends of ours, have been helped by the Arkansas for Cervical Center. So if you are in central Arkansas... Call them, set up an appointment for a free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, but you're like, hey, this sounds like a real thing. It is. It is a real thing. So if you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on the tab that says find a doctor near you to see if you can find a practitioner near you. And, buddy, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. All right, uh, let me mention real quickly another one of my sponsors, my good friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer. Founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he sure helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents back in 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So, whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. So, if you're in Arkansas and you've been hurt in a car wreck or hurt on the job, are you a loved one that's suffering for the carelessness of another? Justin Minton Law is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195. 
Minton and Benton, M-I-N-T-O-N. Or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, very good, very good. So, um, pardon me. Every day, I got to double check one of my favorite writers out there, Julie Kelly at American Greatness. Every day, I got to check and see what she's got going on. Okay, she links to an article. She links to an article from Joseph M. Hanneman over at the epochtimes.com, E-P-O-C-H. And this is infuriating. This is absolutely infuriating. Department rules police beating of unconscious Trump supporter was objectively reasonable. And there is a picture, a screenshot. Justin Winchell reacts to a Metropolitan Police Department officer striking his unconscious friend, Roseanne Boyland. Internal Affairs Bureau, this is the the subtitle, Internal Affairs Bureau conducted probe in response to a police brutality complaint. Here's the article. The beating of an unconscious Trump supporter by a D.C. Metropolitan Police Department officer on January 6, 2021, was deemed to be objectively reasonable after investigation by the department's Internal Affairs Bureau. The Internal Affairs investigation was opened in September 2021 based on a complaint filed by a Texas man who assembled video evidence of the officer striking an unconscious Roseanne Boyland with a steel baton and a large wooden stick at the entrance to the West Terrace Tunnel at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. 34-year-old Roseanne Boyland of Kennesaw, Georgia, was pinned under a pile of protesters who fled the tunnel when police deployed a crowd control gas. After several minutes of being crushed by the weight of other fallen protesters, Boyland lost consciousness and stopped breathing, according to witnesses. Boyland traveled to Washington, D.C. that day to attend the Stop the Steel rally and hear then-President Donald Trump speak at the Ellipse. She became trapped in a crowd that sought entry to the Capitol through the West Terrace Tunnel. As Boyland lay unconscious on the ground, D.C. Metro Police Officer Lila Morris repeatedly struck her with a steel baton and what appeared to be a wooden walking stick, according to a video recording. The sudden attack horrified Boylan's friend and traveling companion, Justin Winchell, who pleaded with police and protesters to provide first aid to Boyland. Police body cam video shows Winchell's shock when he saw Morris strike Boyland in the head. Winchell cried, she's going to die, she's going to die, I need somebody, she's dead. Boyland was not pronounced dead until more than 90 minutes later, although she appeared lifeless when police dragged her body from the West Terrace Tunnel entrance into the Capitol at 4.31 p.m. During the 11 minutes after Boyland fell, protesters made repeated attempts at CPR, efforts that were frustrated in part by the beating and police spraying pepper spray into the faces of those trying to help Boyland, 
And this is what the video shows. There's confusion about what life-saving efforts were made by police officers were made by police after Boyland was moved into the Capitol. Testimony before a congressional committee suggested police attempted CPR at 4:26 p.m., which wasn't possible since at that time Boyland still lay on the concrete outside, being given CPR by protesters Jake Lang and Ronald McAbee. The D.C. medical examiner said Boyland died of an accidental overdose of Adderall, a prescription medication used to treat attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. That ruling has drawn skepticism and outrage from Boyland's friends and family. Her father, Brett Boyland, said Roseanne had been taking Adderall for about 10 years. The attack on Boyland troubled Gary McBride of Decatur, Texas so much, he filed a police brutality complaint with the Metropolitan Police Department on September 14, 2021. McBride assembled a library of videos recorded at the Capitol on January 6. McBride, who spent most of his career in the oil and gas industry, has turned into a professional video sleuth after studying thousands of hours of January 6 footage. McBride went back and forth with various Metropolitan Police Department officials over more than two months before being told via email on November 15th that Morris had been cleared of any wrongdoing. Captain David K. Augustine, director of the Risk Management Division of the Metropolitan Police Department Internal Affairs Bureau, said, The use of force within this investigation was determined to be objectively reasonable. Officer Morris is still employed with the Metropolitan Police Department, not facing criminal charges related to the use of force on January 6. McBride said he found the reasoning and conclusion shocking. He said, it told me right there that it's okay for them to do what they do. They're doing exactly what they want to do. They don't care if you know or see. They just showed me that they're going to beat somebody and kill them, but they have the power to say that was objectively reasonable. And we're supposed to accept that and say, oh, okay. Officer Lila Morris, who had just reached the front line in the West Terrace Tunnel, is seen on body cam video picking up what appears to be a walking stick or a tree branch. She raised the weapon over her head with both hands and struck Boyland at least four times in rapid succession. The stick broke at one point. Officer Morris continued to strike at Boyland until other officers finally pulled her back. Officer Lila Morris was hailed as a hero after January 6th, and she was a guest of honor at Super Bowl 54 in Tampa. Philip Anderson of Mesquite, Texas, who was at the bottom of the same pile that crushed Boyland, called the Metropolitan Police Department's use of force ruling Absolute expletive. 26-year-old Philip Anderson told the Epoch Times, quote, there's nothing reasonable about hitting a non-responsive woman lying on the ground over the head with a baton. They say it's reasonable because she, Boyland, was a Trump supporter, unquote. Anderson said there was cause from the beginning for an independent investigation by a special prosecutor or a grand jury, quote, the fact that they have been lying from the beginning is reason enough for investigation. The only reason why anyone even knows 
this is because I barely survived and I'm here to now call out their blatant lies about the woman that they killed, unquote. McBride sent two videos as evidence along with his police brutality complaint. One of the videos was removed from YouTube but is available on Rumble. The other videos is still accessible on YouTube. Brett Boyland asked the Metropolitan Police Department for copies of body cam video from various police officers in the Terrace Tunnel. That request was denied. Brett Boyland, the father of the deceased, wrote in a Freedom of Information Act request, fall 2021, quote, Wednesday was nine months from our daughter's passing, and we still have many unanswered questions to what happened to her that day, unquote. On October 12th, Shania Hughes, a Freedom of Information Act specialist with the Metropolitan Police Department, told Brett Boyland the Metropolitan Police Department would not release any body cam footage. Quote, It has been determined that the information you are seeking is part of an ongoing investigation and criminal proceeding, with exception of the portions of the video that has been shown publicly. MPD cannot fulfill your request. The release of this information could interfere with the enforcement proceedings by revealing the direction and pace of the investigation, unquote. The Epic Times also made a FOIA request for Officer Lila Morris's body cam footage for her entire shift on January 6, 2021. That request was denied, but for different reasons than those given to the father of the deceased, Brad Boyland. The department cited privacy grounds for denying the newspaper's request. Brad Boyland said... The family was initially denied a copy of Roseanne's full autopsy report, but since has obtained the document. He told the Epic Times, Through our lawyer and additional FOIA requests, we have obtained the full autopsy report, which has been forwarded to the pathologist. The family contracted with its own forensic pathologist to review the D.C. Medical Examiner's report on Roseanne Boylan's death. Brett Boylan said heavily redacted body cam footage he obtained shows that police did attempt CPR on Roseanne after she was moved into the Capitol. He said there were two body-worn camera videos that started with the officers pulling Roseanne into the building past the police line, and it did show multiple officers attempting to revive Roseanne and gave CPR for about 10 to 12 minutes straight. Then they appeared to load her on some kind of mailroom cart and moved her somewhere else. McBride said one thing he found especially troubling on one of the videos is that despite being unconscious during the attack, it appeared Roseanne Boyland could feel the blows to the head. He said when she takes the second hit to the head, watch her left arm. Her left arm straightens up and lifts off the ground. Winchell told an Atlanta television station in 2021 that when Roseanne was struck by Officer Lila Morris for the final time, Roseanne's nose started bleeding. Her dad said, in our mind, she was still alive at that point. Roseanne also suffered three to four broken ribs on each side of her chest, according to her father. These injuries could have come from repeated CPR attempts, the pressure of being under the large pile of bodies, or from the baton blows from Officer Lila Morris. 
Officer Augustine said a report on Mars' use of force has not been released to the public. He said the factors involved in police use of force are outlined in Metropolitan Police Department's online policy, updated January 2021. The policy states, members of the Metropolitan Police Department shall value and preserve the sanctity of human life at all times, especially when lawfully exercising use of force. In situations where the use of force is justified, the utmost restraint should be exercised. Brett Boyland said the family wants to know why Officer Lila Morris attacked Roseanne. He said she had a choice. That officer had a choice. She could have helped her right there at that point in time, but she chose to grab the stick and start hitting her. That looks like murder to me. Wonder if anybody in Congress is going to point this out. I wonder. Julie Kelly, in linking to the article I just shared with you, said, D.C. Metro opened an internal investigation into the death of Roseanne Boyland at the hands of at least one D.C. police officer. They said the use of force within this investigation was determined to be objectively reasonable. Julie Kelly said police killed two women on January 6th. Yeah, not, not, not just Ashley Babbitt now, but Roseanne Boyland also. And then Julie Kelly links to her article, What Did the Capitol Celebrity Cops Do to Roseanne Boyland from American Greatness from September 6, 2021. And she says, Little reminder that Sergeant Aquilino Gunnell testified under oath that he gave Roseanne Boyland CPR at around 427. The video contradicts that claim. Her body was dragged through the tunnel. Then Officer Gunnell met up with Officer Harry Dunn to conceal her body until paramedics arrived. Yeah. Yeah, how about that? How about that? Now, I got I to gotta share with you Kyle Scheidler over at American Greatness. Kyle Scheidler is a senior analyst for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism at the Center for Security Policy. And here is the article that dropped last night, DHS, American Thought Police, subtitled The Transition from Tracking Terrorism to Chasing Thought Crime as a Major Advantage. It exonerates U.S. counterterrorism officials from the meddlesome job of catching actual terrorists. All right, here goes nothing. The Department of Homeland Security, which under the Biden administration routinely lets watch-listed terrorists cross the southern border unmolested, and which approved entry to the United States for Colleyville, Texas, synagogue hostage-taker Malik Faisal Akram, despite his being known to British authorities as a terror, as a terror risk, has taken upon its broad bureaucratic shoulders an even more challenging job, and that is stopping the flow of MDM. 
Now, MDM is not the latest flavor of fentanyl produced by the communist Chinese regime for sale to Mexican drug cartels and now the leading cause of death for Americans between the age of 18 to 45. Oh, no, 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 no. MDM stands for Miss Dis and Malinformation. So misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. The latest government acronym from which you must be protected. Homeland Security's latest summary of terrorism threat to the U.S. homeland released Monday has much to say about the dangers of American minds being polluted with MDM. Miss, dis, and malinformation. And curiously, little to say about actual terror threats. MDM is a term developed by Homeland Security, Cybersecurity, Infrastructure Security Agency, the CISA, to replace the old-fashioned phrase foreign influence. Now, let us caveat to the U.S. government. Let us caveat that the U.S. government does indeed have a responsibility to monitor and to identify foreign influence operations. This was the remit of the Reagan-era Active Measures Working Group, which worked tirelessly to identify Soviet lies being spread to undermine the United States' global standing in the world and then countered them with the truth. But under the latest iteration, Homeland Security is no longer concerned solely with enemy lies spread abroad, but increasingly with information spread by what they call domestic threat actors, in other words, American citizens. And no longer are Homeland Security merely concerned with disinformation, false material spread to manipulate an opponent, but with misinformation, which Homeland Security considers information that is false, but not intended to cause harm. What? And malinformation, which means information which is true, but the government considers harmful anyway. Oh, my. This raises the question of who put a government intelligence and law enforcement agency in the position of declaring not only what is true or false, but also determining whether information is good or harmful for consumption by free citizens. Of course, no law prohibits American citizens of spreading information of any kind, whether true or false. Ironically, Homeland Security's MDM effort itself is a result of disinformation created in the tumult of the Russian collusion hoax in response to lunatic assertions that the government, that the Russian government had somehow thrown the 2016 election to Donald Trump through the use of a handful of Facebook ads. Department of Homeland Security certainly has no remit to determine what information its bureaucrats regard as harmful for American ears to hear. And why are government efforts to counter information appearing in what is supposed to be a bulletin aimed at countering terrorism? U.S. intelligence increasingly has asserted that the cause of terrorism isn't groups or individuals seeking to achieve identifiable political ends through criminal violence and intimidation, which is, by the way, the legal definition of terrorism. Rather, U.S. counterterrorism gurus insist that terrorism springs fully formed from misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation adrift in cyberspace, like Athena from the forehead of Zeus.
They did not arrive at this conclusion all at once, but rather over a period of two decades during the global war on terrorism, which over the years became defined as domestic, not global, a social problem, not a war, and ultimately not about terrorism at all. The transition from terrorism to chasing thought crime has a major advantage. It exonerates U.S. counterterrorism officials from the meddlesome job of catching actual terrorists. For years, U.S. government security apparatus insisted that with a little bit more money and ever more constant surveillance, they could nip the terrorism problem in the bud. But more surveillance brought only more stories of terrorists that the government knew about in advance, yet still failed to stop, which was embarrassing, to to say the least. If literally anyone sufficiently marinated in ideas a government doesn't like might turn out to be a terrorist, how can federal law enforcement be held responsible for dropping the ball on any specific specific plot? Isn't policing the ideas themselves a better use of government's time and money? Covering thought policing under the rubric of counterterrorism has another advantage, too. It changes the discussion from whether a given idea is true or false to whether it's safe or dangerous. Have concerns about election integrity, COVID-19 mandates, or school boards? You got concerns about those? Well, you better shut up because such ideas are inspiring terrorists. And, of course, Homeland Security Bulletin provides absolutely no evidence or citation to affirm its claims regarding what motivates these so-called extremists. One is left only with vague assertions, backed by claims of secret intelligence, which ought not be satisfying to any serious interlocutor. But it's certainly curious that, according to Homeland Security, terrorists always seem to be most interested in topics on which Joe Biden is polling poorly and on which his administration faces growing criticism from the broader American electorate. They are federalizing, criminalizing political dissent. That's what they're doing. And it's got to stop. But I just don't know how many people in Congress are even interested in that. You know, I just don't know. Not too many. Not too many. And that's one of the reasons that I support a lot of primary challengers to the same old rhinos. Know what I'm saying? So, for instance, hate to beat a bed, uh, beat a dead horse, but for those of my listeners in Central Arkansas, you've got to defeat French Hill and the Republican primary. May 24th. You got to vote for Colonel Conrad Reynolds. You have to. And for my listeners in the second district of Texas, in the northern, northeastern, and eastern suburbs 
of Houston. Dan Crenshaw, dangerous guy, dangerous guy, dangerous guy. Wants everybody to think he's a conservative Republican, but mocks you when you say the election was stolen. And has appeared at World Economic Forum groups with Soros, says climate change is a thing. You got to vote against Dan Crenshaw in the primary in Texas. Please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. All right. Now, having said that, I love this part of the show. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA who believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online and have it show up at your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. RedRiverYourWay.com brings you today's tweet of the day. Now, this is a double-decker. So the setup here from uh, Benny Johnson, independent podcaster Benny Johnson, who has almost a half a million followers on Twitter, he's got um, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki accusing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, the best governor in U.S., of standing in the way of Joe Biden's failing, tyrannical, and unscientific mandates. Really? Let's see what she says here. This is uh, less than two minutes long. And then we'll give you the tweet of the day, which responds to this. Over with about the masks, um, we had another state today uh, dropping the indoor mask mandate. SCC is confirming that their guidance is not changing. Um, but these decisions that are being made at the local level, like you guys always talk about, are out of step with the science that is at the forefront of the CDC of this White House. So why are we not hearing the same messaging criticizing states that are you know, making these moves like we heard previously um, with, for instance, Ron DeSantis? Well, I would say there is a distinct difference between standing in the way, uh, which Ron DeSantis did, or Governor DeSantis, I'll I'll give him his full title, um, of teachers, uh, school administrators, and others taking steps to protect the students and their school communities. There's a difference between standing in the way of it, threatening to pull back funding, and allowing for local school districts to make choices, which is what a number of these states are doing. Go ahead. Quick follow-up on that. Does the administration risk looking out of touch with where the country is heading in terms of lifting these mask mandates if the CDC doesn't revise its guidelines? Well, again, um, we understand where the emotions of the country are, right? People are uh, 
tired of masks. I would say not even if you look at the polling, though. There is also a huge chunk of people who still want masks, right? So it's not even that specific. It's just that, as you noted, there are some states that are moving towards rolling back or giving more choice to local communities about how uh, they will implement uh, these uh, requirements. Uh, But again, uh, from the federal government, uh, what our responsibility to do is to abide by what the president committed to on the campaign, which is to listen to scientists, listen to data. Uh, That doesn't move at the speed of politics. It moves at the speed of data. Uh, And they, uh, Dr. Walensky, uh, committed to uh, convey or to take confirmed that they were evaluating this uh, at the CDC. All right. So (laughs) who remembers that we've been told for like almost two years the science is settled? And now, now we're being told the science has changed. Yeah, the political science, because their polling is so horrible on this. And you see liberal Democrat governors saying, okay, we're going to drop the uh, the mask mandate. We're going to drop this. We're going to drop that. Okay? So she's going on and on and on about how horrible Governor Ron DeSantis is governor of the state, Florida, that all these Democrat politicians flock to to vacation where they don't have to wear masks. And today's tweet of the day is the response to what you just heard from Ron DeSantis's communications director, Christina Peshaw. Two words, rent free. <laughs> and an up, upside down smiley face, rent free. In other words, Ron DeSantis lives rent free in the heads of the people who pull Biden's strings. Like the White House press secretary, who so often has to go out there and um, clarify the remarks of Dementia Joe. Sometimes, sometimes making statements that are 180 degrees opposed to what Dementia Joe just said. Because he's gone, man. He's gone around the bend. He doesn't have a clue. We all know this, right? So thank you. RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring today's rent-free tweet of the day. It's a beautiful thing, y'all. It's a beautiful thing. All right, once again, we are working, trying to get our campaign website up because a lot of people are like, where can I donate? I want to help you get that $15,000 filing fee so you can file to run for governor. Republican nomination, so we have a choice, so we don't have to vote for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who keeps on endorsing people who are anti-Trump. ElectDocWashburn.com, we hope to get it up by close of business today. So keep checking back, and we appreciate you. We appreciate you. We appreciate you so much. You've been listening to the 85th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. 
Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Thursday, February 10th, 2022.